Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to day three of Long Underwear Week on the Patrick Lally Show. It is a grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. It is, it's above zero today. The sun was out earlier. It's kind of going away now, but light winds. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, right? Yeah, we'll find out. I, for one, have decided to leave town and come back when it's above zero again, which I, uh, I'm estimating to be Tuesday. Tuesday. That's when I'm coming back. Well, I'm not leaving till I'm not leaving today or tomorrow. I'll be here tomorrow for this show. And then like Saturday, then I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Can't take it anymore. You're going to be wearing skis on your way out of town there, bucko. I am. I'm going to be wearing skis and I'm, you know, I'm going to the banana belt. It's not like I'm going to Florida or anything. Nothing like that. I'm going to the Black Hills. Oh, that's that's the Dave Dedrick banana belt. Yes. The God Dave rest his hold. <laughs> I almost said a bad word. I almost I almost, Careful. I almost used it. Well, it's not a bad word that you can't say on the radio. It's a bad it's a word I won't say. So it's, it's it's been purged from my lexicon. It has to do with branding of a particular television station that I won't Very good. Thank you. Uh in the meantime, Uber producer Dan Peters and I will be your guides for the finest radio conversation in the region. Stay with us for two hours of discussion on news and politics, health and fitness, and a a little musical parody, some comedy, hopefully, thrown in. I decided to take advantage of this the only day uh, this week that doesn't look like it's potentially lethal and rode my bike to work today. It It was pretty decent. I ran into a couple other bikers out there and saw... Evidence of many more, so I'm not the only one. The fat bikers are out in full force now that there's snow, and they're cutting new trails in all sorts of spots along the bike trails. It's actually a lot of fun, unless it's, you know, deadly, deadly cold. So everybody's out today taking advantage of that, as I was. I love seeing people embrace winter activities, as you know, and and there are some good ones coming up. It's not just, you know, crazy people on bikes. There are some fantastic events in January. And I was just sort of looking through the calendar today, and I was reminded of some really good ones. Uh, Frosty Frolics Weekend is January 5, 6, and 7. That's next weekend. That's a Sioux Falls Parks and Rec Department. Uh, This is the 30th annual Frosty Frolics. It's all over the city, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's $5 tubing from 3 to 10 at Great Bear and free skate rental from 4 to 9 at all six outdoor rinks, which I think open today. I think the I think the, the ice rinks are opening today. Finally. One o'clock this afternoon, officially open. Woo-hoo-hoo! Ice skating, baby. Always fun. You can do that no matter how cold it gets because they got the warming houses. So you go out there, you skate around, you go in, you eat gum and have a pop, and then you go back. When I was a kid, okay, we would we would uh I lived up in the north end there, as you know, and we would walk down to the Coval Lake ice skating rink's not there anymore but to get there you had two options you could walk all the way around the lake <laughs> or, or, or you just walk across you know and it was frozen so it was all right uh, except for a few times I, I gotta save that i gotta save the story about uh uh greg falling through the ice and a pat laughing at him and then greg throwing pat in not me that i but i got you got to remind me that story it's a great story but Frosty Frolics this weekend, you can go ice skating. 
That's Friday, Saturday. They've got the uh, 9 a.m. the fun run and walk at Spencer Park. There's the ice fishing, ice fishing frenzy at Family Park. Story time, uh, snowshoe tours all over at the Arboretum. It's just there is a fat bike ride at Tomar Park at one. More free skate rental. Uh, there's a teen cosmic skate from 7:30 to 10 at the Shields Iceplex. If you can't go outside. And then on Sunday, ski and snowboard races at Great Bear, sleigh rides at Memorial Ice Rink, free skate rental at the outdoor rinks, flick and float event at the Midco Aquatic Center. So that is a huge weekend of activity in January. That's next weekend. Christmas with the animals is Saturday, January 6th. That's when you go and watch animals tear open packages of food. That's always fun. Uh, This one looks very interesting to me. Okay. You know what I forgot about? I skipped right over. Fun ski. Media One Fun Ski is every year, they've been doing that for a long time now. That's January 19 and 20. Mark your calendars. That's out of Great Bear. They have snow sculpture, snow tube races, rain jam. I don't know what that is, rain jam. Fat bike races, cross-country ski race, frozen leg kickball, border, cross skier, cross downhill corporate. They got all kinds of stuff. That's January 19 and 20 at Great Bear. So mark your calendar for that one. Oh, and this is the one I didn't want to miss because this sounds terrible, but... I want to tell you people about it anyway. Up there at your uh, uh, Lake Ponset, up by, and that, that's by Lake Norton, right? Up north, up north, as we like to say, of here. Somewhere in Kingsbury County, I do believe. Somewhere in Kingsbury County is Lake Ponset, and they are having the Fishing for Miracles on the 19th and 20th, Friday and Saturday. That is an all-night fishing tournament. You heard me correctly. An all-night Fishing tournament raised to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network, 3 p.m. Friday through 3 p.m. Saturday up there at Lake Ponset. Uh, fishing tickets are 20 bucks. Go over to Dakota Angler in Sioux Falls to find out more about that. They have a Facebook page, Fishing for the numeral four miracles, and uh, that would be cool. Fishing all night. I I don't know if I can do that. I'm I'm sure it's going to warm up by you know mid January, right? That's that's going to happen, right? Because it's been cold, then it's going to get warm, and everything's going to be fine. Well, in theory, that would be the way it would work. The law of averages would put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. Well, so there's all this stuff going on uh, in January. We'll be telling you about that stuff, as we always do, keeping you up to date on the activities. But all is not lost, people. Just survive it. Fight back. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include uh, Dana Lowski. He is with the Friends of the Big Sioux River. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about summer, really, uh, and we will uh, discuss water quality and how we can clean up the Big Sioux River. This is a gots to happen situation, people. The weird, or I'm sorry, the smart cyclist will be in for weird friends, and we will talk about how Sioux Falls might someday be a uh, silver city in the best cities for cycling. Ooh, I have to correct myself. What's that? Lake Ponset is not in Kingsbury County. It's actually in Brookings County. You're kidding me. Yeah, because Arlington kind of is along the Brookings and Hamlin County line, Uh, and it is northeast of Arlington, so it would be in Brookings County. I know a lot of people from Sioux Falls. That's their lake, Lake Ponset, so people can stop in there and hang out and that gives you a reason to go to your cabin and make sure everything's okay. Make sure the pipes haven't burst. Uh, it, after Smart Cyclist, uh, in the, at about 345 now, you're going to want to stay tuned for this. This is, is must-hear radio. It is the world premiere 
of a very special Patrick Lally show version of Winter Wonderland. Hint, it involves parking. So stay tuned for that. I'll have the PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, public trust, people, public trust. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 318 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. going to get a little closer to free here on the Patrick Lally Show with the Bodines, as always. This is the time when I like to look through the news, see what's going on. And, uh, you know, we're in a, a bit of the dead time between the holidays. I heard on the news there that President Trump is going to have his physical today, his official physical with the White House doctor. We'll see what that reveals. Uh, but maybe they should talk about his blood pressure because... Uh, this morning, I believe it was this morning, the uh, president was on Twitter, as you know, he likes to do, just bashing on Vanity Fair because they uh, they made an apology to Hillary Clinton for a video they made. And uh, he just he didn't think he should do it. Anyway, this video posted by Vanity Fair over the weekend shows editors uh, of uh, Vanity Fair's Hive website offering toasts and New Year's resolutions for Hillary Clinton, including that she vowed to take up knitting, volunteer work, or any hobby that would keep her from running again for president. So people got very upset about that. And, uh, you know, Patricia Arquette, who's an actress, treated, tweeted her own proposal, stop telling women what they should or can do. But then the uh, president got in on it. He uh, He said in a statement Wednesday, The magazine, no, the magazine said in a statement Wednesday that they uh, said the video was an attempt at humor and that regrettably missed the mark. And then uh, the president, he said the magazine was, quote, bending over backwards and apologizing for the minor hit. Trump added that Anna Wintour is beside herself in grief and begging for forgiveness. Wintour is the editor-in-chief of Vogue, however, not Vanity Fair, but she's artistic director of parent company Cond Nast, which publishes both titles. Anyway, does the does he not have? He must have a Google alert, okay? Hillary Clinton Google alert that pops up every day, so he can see everything that's because you'd think he'd have more important things than to worry about what's going on at one of Vanity Fair's websites. But there you go. There's that. As you heard in the news, uh, Roy Moore, his suit was rejected. His lawsuit over the uh, election on and on today, Doug Jones was officially declared the winner of the U.S. Senate race in Alabama, down there in Alabama, uh, because a judge rejected Republican Roy Moore's last-ditch effort to stop the certification of Jones' historic upset in a deep red state. Uh, so that happened today, and you know, he, Moore was trying to say that that. There was uh, suspicious activity with the with the election, uh, you know, and he was insinuating some uh, fraud and some people taking uh, going across the border to vote. You know, these are the same kinds of things we hear about all the time and never, ever turns out to be true. Maybe we can finally quit talking about Roy Moore, please. I mean, the man had no business in the Senate. He was a terrible candidate. 
And the country is better off not having this guy in a leadership role. I don't care what party he's from. Even Trump didn't want him in there originally. Nobody, nobody in the Republican Party wanted him in there, except for the, you know, the hardcore religious conservatives in the South. Go away, Roy Moore. Please, bye bye Locally, I saw this uh, story on KSFY, and we all heard about the Custer fire at uh, the third largest uh, forest fire in the Black Hills history. But this is some good news, okay? Uh, the park's eight remaining bureaus, boroughs, bureaus, boroughs, are becoming more healthy, park officials announced today. They're be- being kept inside and enclosed in heated facilities so the outdoor temperatures do not affect the recovery. Only one borough died. And so I think that's good news. The next two weeks will be uh, uh, key in their recovery as infection and organ failure can play a factor. Uh, But they've got them inside and they're eating and drinking and things are looking good for the boroughs, which is just good news. You can donate hay or fencing to the park following the fire. Going to farmrescue.org, I believe, is what it's called. And that'll help out people that are working on that. As I said, it's, uh, it's good news. Thought, I thought maybe more of them would have been killed, you know, because burrows, they are not quite as adept as the bison at survival, you know. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe while they got them in there, they can sort of train them to keep their heads out of the car. Keep, stay away from my chips. Uh, copper lounge collapse. All right. So here's the latest. Uh, our friend, friends of the show, Jonathan Ellis and Joe Sneevy at there at uh, Argus Leader Media, had another story. Uh, published last night that the managers of two companies accused of illegally removing asbestos from the former Copper Lounge building submitted affidavits to the state declaring that their companies were insolvent. It was the only time this year that companies fined by the South Dakota Department of Environment and Natural Resources couldn't pay their fines. You'll remember uh, this is the deal where uh, after the uh, before the collapse of the building, the folks down there who were uh, uh, renovating the uh, former Copper Lounge. And as I've said, you know, Copper Lounge takes a hit on this. It wasn't the Copper Lounge anymore. That was closed. It was owned by different people. But the Hulkering Construction and uh, CLP Investments, which is the the company that actually owned the building, and they both, both those companies said they were insolvent. So Hulkering Construction they said uh, they, they'd sold everything. They hadn't got any money. They don't have anything. You remember they were fine because when they were doing this uh, renovation, they just you know took the asbestos out of there. Uh, they put some breathers on, hosed it down, put it in bags, and put it in the dump. And they were fined $20,000 by the uh, uh, Department of Environment and Natural Resources because of this. But they said they couldn't pay. And now these are the guys basically some of the same people who we are in uh, in business with. And on the new multi-use facility down there, the $50 million parking ramp and hotel. Well, I mean, this just, this just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? So we've known about these fines and everything for a while, but these are the documents filed in, uh, the affidavits filed to support them not being able to pay. It's just drip, drip, drip. It's, you know, it does nothing to boost confidence in this, this hotel and parking ramp that we're working on. It doesn't mean that it's not a good project. I've said I like the project. I like what it would do for downtown. It's exciting. But it does 
create this air of doubt and uncertainty as these stories keep coming out and we wonder, you know, what's really going on here? Are these guys uh, people that we should be doing business with? And for the most part, Norm Drake, who is the force behind uh, legacy development, these are fine, upstanding guys. It's, uh, you know, there was a tragic accident that doesn't disqualify them. But as this stuff just keeps coming out, it just raises doubt. So uh, we know Teresa Staley and Pat Starr from the city council said yesterday that they want to pull back on the bond that would finance this whole deal. And that's probably unlikely to happen because the administration of Mayor Mike Uther, they're going to dig in and press forward. They would need six votes on the eight-member council to override what would probably be a veto by the mayor. And that's a pretty big hurdle. But a pause right now wouldn't be a bad idea, okay? I think we need to get some of these questions answered just to clear the air. It's too early to say that legacy isn't suited for the job. That's not what I'm saying. But there is doubt in the public's eye. And as I've said for many times before, the mayor does himself no favors in the broader debate here with his proclivity for backdoor deals and bullheaded behavior when it comes to public discussion. He could go a long way towards improving his image in that regard if he would just step forward and answer questions and 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 in the public interest, say, maybe we should just wait a minute. Let's just pause. Let's take a breath. Because if he really believes in this project, if he has full confidence in legacy, then he shouldn't have any trouble with a full-throated discussion and debate on what has happened and what should we do going forward. So I just, you know, what's next? I don't know. That's the bottom line on the PNL statement. You can agree or disagree with me at, by emailing me, Patrick at KSO.com. Love to hear from you. Go to our Twitter feed at Pilali Show to comment there. Also, we're on Facebook, KSO, as you know, and uh, just follow along. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, following the news and weather from Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk to the smart cyclist. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. You too. Sunday, Bloody Sunday, which has nothing to do really with our next guest, the smart cyclist for weird friends. I just like it, and it's from our era. Mr. Smart Cyclist, also the video from back in the day was filmed in, I believe that one was in the winter, along with New Year's Day, and so it's appropriate for your appearance, Mr. Smart Cyclist. Happy winter. Happy winter. We are happy about winter, right? We are. Because, you know, before we get to uh, uh, our main topic for the day, um, I noticed on the way in to work today how many fat bike trails are being cut by people just sort of ad hoc, like everywhere. People have gone like fat bike crazy with this snow. <laughs> and and that's a beautiful thing. The uh, The snow is not so much that it's hard to ride through, so you can go through it and make a track and then other people join in and all of a sudden there's a good trail in place, isn't there? Yeah. And you know, I ran into, uh, one of our mutual friends, Art, uh, Mr. Bike Sioux Falls out on the trail when I was coming in and he had just come from, uh, Tomar park where he was beating down some trail. So it's out there, people. It's fun. That's fun. All kinds of people out riding today. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, you and I have talked a lot about these, this whole, uh, bike friendly cities report that came out not so long ago 
and from the American League, uh, the League of American Bicyclists, of which you are affiliated. And, um, you know, right away we talked about it because there was a press conference and we're bronze, which means, you know, we're pretty good. But everybody always wants to know, what, how do we get to be silver? Uh, right. And you have now have had a chance to look through that report. Uh, how come we're not a silver city? Because we've got a long way to go to be a silver city. Really? Um, yeah. So, so what, we're in our ninth year of being bronze. We've been awarded bronze our third time now. Um, and yeah, silver. So the, so the report card gives some benchmarks, uh, 10 building blocks for what, what the silver bicycle friendly communities have. And, and then it lists next to that, what Sioux Falls has. And, uh, Sioux Falls has three of the 10. Woohoo. If we were in the plane in the majors, we'd be doing all right. That's right. We're batting 300. We got, uh, we got an active bicycle advisor group. Um, or I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a city thing. City planning runs that. You know, I I say that that's so that uh, city planning can ask the bicyclists, "Hey, we're about to do this thing related to bicyclists. Is it dumb to do?" And we say yes, or we say no. And then and then when the city does it, then they can say, "Hey, the the bicycle community said it was okay to do." Um, so that exists. That meets every two months, and that that's a, that's a good level for being a, a silver even level community. Um, we have an active bicycle advocacy group. You would call that the Falls Area Bicyclists. On which we both serve on the board. That's right. Full disclosure. We do. And then uh, the third thing is there is a bicycle plan that is current and it is being implemented. Those are all good things. So there's three things out of ten that we have. Then it gets hard. If those, if those, <laughs> were, the only, if those were the only things, then we'd be silver. <laughs> So, so, yeah, let's look at percentage. High-speed roads with bike facilities, mm. Sioux Falls, 6%. Ouch. Your, your average silver community, 47%. Yeah, we got a ways to go there. Your bicycle education in schools, your average silver community is good. Sioux Falls needs improvement. I don't know how you measure that, but uh, I do know that zero, maybe zero bicycle education in Sioux Falls public schools. Really? Um uh, I don't know of any efforts. That's pretty bad. And I know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bicycle, there's a report card for Brookings, who is also a bronze bicycle-friendly community. Their status is excellent. In the schools? Yep. Well, let's give them a call. Figure out what's right. going on there. We might, might have something to learn from our neighbors to the north. Not that, that doesn't happen that often, but I, I, will, I will throw them a hat tip on that one. I gotcha. <laughs> um <laughs> Share of transportation budget spent on bicycling. Your mm. average silver is 14%. Mm. Your Sioux Falls is 2%. Mm. That's not good. And, and here's, here's my final one. Mm. The bike program staff to population. So, so how many people in city government work for bicycling? Um, for your silver community, that's one person per 89,000 people. E. For Sioux Falls, that's one person per 357,000 people. Because we have like a half time or like a quarter yeah. time person <laughs> in yeah. the planning department. That's Sam Trebilcock, who's, you know, got other duties as assigned. That's right. Well, actually, bicycling is another duty as assigned. Yeah, that's right. That's not his prime duty. <laughs> you know, and a lot of cities um, have somebody who is in their planning departments or in their transportation departments 
whose job it is to work on at least alternative transportation, if not cycling, using bikes, and, and integrating into the system, somebody that does that full-time. Yeah, you want somebody paying attention to the walkers and the riders and the people who, well, the walkers who use transit um, and the walkers who just walk. Uh, yeah, we haven't yet found the desire to do that here. You know, and I know that, like, in Minneapolis, and I hate to use that as an example, I always hate to use Minneapolis as an example for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that they did to get where they are today is they went out and worked on some grant funding that did bring in some extra bodies for planning and transportation in their city government. And that went a long way towards having a better vision for what they could do. And then over time it grew. But you have to have that effort, that planning on the front end. And I, I don't get the sense that that's, despite our best efforts, that that is making much traction with the city other than in Sam Trebilcock's office. Right. I agree with that, that, uh, um, there are here and there in traffic engineering and planning, there are people that are interested and sympathetic, but there's a big bureaucracy that has other ideas or hasn't caught the vision of, of being a community there that, uh, supports, people who don't drive, whether that's because they can't drive or whether that's because they want the benefits of not driving. So, As an I, And I guess, I guess that goes down and comes out to, you know, who, who do you want your mayor to be and who do you want your city council to be and, and how much do you want them to care about that sort of thing? Yeah, when, when you're putting all your focus into fixing potholes, sometimes, which, are, which is fine. I mean, you got to fix roads. I get that. But my issue always has been, yeah, but there are other parts of that too. And part of it is just being proactive and looking for opportunities to be better rather than making it so hard all the time to try and move the needle. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the bullet points of what your community can do is uh, adopt a comprehensive road safety program for all road users um, that does engineering education and enforcement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that would seem to, hey, you know, let's, let's take a look at, let's do it comprehensively. Let's, instead of, instead of doing this one-off PSA, um, let's build a program that, uh, that we can address across the city and then have a PSA as a part of that. Yeah. Instead, you know, the, the of, instead thing... of doing a PSA and calling it a victory, let's make a comprehensive plan and then let's score points with PSAs. You know, I don't, yeah, that's what has bothered me since... We passed, and it was a it was a good effort to revamp all the laws that pertain to cyclists and alternative transportation. That was really a good effort. It took a lot of time and work by people behind the scenes. It took years, and right. I thought that the idea was to do this with an eye towards a broad public education campaign on how we should all be using the roads and. And I think that they're really, it really, really is time for a broad-based education effort on safety, not just for people on bikes, but for people driving and, and everybody to understand how it's supposed to work because it's crazy out there sometimes. Right. And, and for all the people that, that drive and complain about other drivers, they, you'd think that they'd want to get on board with that sort of idea too. Yep. Instead, let's, let's make it more safe for everybody. 
Instead, it's no, we got to make them smoother. We got to make sure everybody can get everywhere as fast as they possibly can, including no taking down the no right turn on red signs. That is indicative of something, a, a much deeper psychosis in this community in terms of how we get around. And that, you know, that's not going to change until the leadership in the city changes. The bureaucracy is not going to change that because the bureaucrats, even if they are good hearted utopianists, can't do anything if the, if the mayor and the council don't share that vision. Yep. So that's true. Are you running for council then or how's that going to work? Um, I don't know. Some spots. There are spots. Yeah. It's too late now this time. No, it's not. It's not too late. You can still get in, man. You'd be outstanding. You would be a great city councilor because you have so much free time. <laughs> I might have to give up biking. Ah, no. Okay. That may not be a good idea, but you know, it's, and, and here's the deal. And this is the truth about any sort of grassroots activism like this. I don't care what your issue is. All right. Um, there are still two city councilors up for re-election this uh, round who don't have challengers. They're running unopposed. And I, I don't care who you are. That's not a good thing. This is In a city this size, all that does is uh, limit the free exchange of ideas because you never have the opportunity. Yeah. A healthy city ought to have people, more than one person, running for a city council seat. So let's get on board, people. Maybe, I mean, you know. I can I can lobby people I like, but somebody should run. I you know we've got how many people running for mayor? <laughs> we've got eight people on the mayor's list and two council spots that are unopposed. So not that those people are. I'm not coming out against uh, Rick Kiley or Christine Erickson. You know they they put in the work and they got elected. But you, you shouldn't run unopposed. Mm-hmm. That's you're, you. you uh, that's sort of putting you in a box here, Mister Smart Cyclist. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for I'm not declaring. I'm not declaring on the Patrick Lally show today. <laughs> well, when you do decide or know somebody who wants to, let me know. Okay. I go back to uh, our last conversation about becoming president of Fab. Is uh, I, I see myself more useful there at this time. Uh, actually, you I'm, know, very, I'm very happy about that as well. Let's, let's see what we can do through that bicycle advocacy group. Yeah, outstanding. Well, Mr. Smart Cyclist, as always. By the way, we missed you in the studio today. I was. I was, you know, we're kind of lonely, and it's I been am, nice when you could come over here and hang out with us. I am transportationally challenged with the weather and with extra children at home. Ooh, got it, <laughs> got it. Cinema, cinema. Uh, Sometimes life intervenes. Yeah, but yeah, we'll be back. Cool. Well, Mr. Smart Cyclist, thanks for taking some time with us today, and we'll uh, chat you with re- chat with you real soon. Okay. Have a happy New Year. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, and this is a very special occasion. Just turn up up the radio, man. It's time. It's the world premiere of the Patrick Lally Show version of Winter Wonderland that has a little something to do with parking. That's coming up next on Information 1000 KSOO. 349 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And... You know, what we like to do, we, we've been very much in the holiday spirit here on the Patrick Lally Show. You know, last week we had all the Christmas music and such, and, you know, we were having a nice time with that, and we talked about all the good Christmas music that's out there. Well, you know, we thought we would, uh, so we've been very much in the spirit, and, and with everything, and the city has been so much, the city council has been so filled 
with holiday spirit. It's been so congenial and good. So we thought what we would do is uh, with with our with our burgeoning debate coming on the parking ramp, we thought that we would offer uh, this very lovely. Uh, well, let's call it a, a postcard, a holiday card. A very heartfelt sentiment, I would call it. Heartfelt sentiment that we are sending out uh, to the citizens of our community who have been uh, 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 sharing these great conversations about issues facing our city. This is uh, the world premiere of the Patrick's Lally Show version of Winter Wonderland. Driving, we're downtown. The city's thriving. A beautiful sight. The crowded at night. Looking for a spot in the garage. Gone away is the loser lot. Hit to stay is the jackpot. We'll build the big square. We'll Place to leave our cars Down the Phillips we can build apartments Then pretend there's room enough to park We'll say can we carpool you said no thanks But you can catch the bus before it's time We'll conspire Before the mayor does retire to face unafraid the plans that he's made, building us an overpass garage. Here it comes! <laughs> hey man, move your car! Why don't you just wait a minute? I got a place in the bank. Come on, bro. Yeah, nice super. There we go. That's uh, that is the parking in an overpriced garage, the uh, the Patrick Lally Show version of Winter Wonderland for you good people out there today. That's our Christmas message, our holiday message for everybody. 
Yeah, I think that's a little bit more of the of the seasonal type mm-hmm. of message. Yeah, winter wonderland. Yes. Yeah. It's it is winter. Yeah, and it's a wonderland downtown of parking in an overpriced garage. So I'll be I'll be pending. pushing that out. Yeah. Pending. Pending overpriced garage. So that uh that is uh words by Jacqueline Palfi, uh music and production by Mr. David Allen Butler. So that's the uh the the uh Elton John Bernie Toppin of yes. the Patrick Lally show company. Right, right. That's our that's our fine crack uh songwriting duo. And you know, we've got a couple others rolling around out there. Got some ideas coming forward that we're gonna have for you good people. But if you've got something, you know, throw it our way at P Lally Show on Twitter. That's always a good place to to suggest. Make your suggestions, and I'll shoot them by the crack production team. We have a va- the vast resources of the Patrick Lally Show at work here today. So we'll we'll try and uh, get that cut for you available on our Twitter feed, and uh, so you can share it and uh, enjoy it more. Enjoy it, you know, each night before you slide off to Slumberland. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show after the top, we'll talk with uh, KDLT Weather and get the latest on that. And then we will have Dana uh, Loski in from uh, Friends of the Big Sioux River. You're going to want to stay close. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And you know what's best to take that shiver off? Well, not best, but it uh, goes well with January, beer. And uh, luckily, coming up on January 27th, which is a Saturday, Sioux Empire on Tap. That's at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. You can sample over 100 craft beers from more than 60 breweries. Two general admission sessions to choose from or a VIP session. There will be live music, games, and food available for purchase. You can get your tickets now, SueEmpireOnTap.com. You know, I don't, I don't recommend, you know, over-imbibing. Don't rely on, you know, beer to get you through the hard winter. But, I'm, you know, it doesn't hurt. And this is a great opportunity to try beers from all over the place. Uh, Sioux Empire on Tap. You'll be, you hear a lot about that on here on KSL. You'll be hearing more. Coming up in the second hour of the Patrick Lally Show, we'll talk with Alex Alisi from KDLT Weather, get the latest on the temps, and then we'll have Dana Loski from Friends of the Big Sioux River, and we are going to dive in to water quality and how we can clean up the Big Sioux River and the efforts of that fine organization. That's all coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters at the top of the hour. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KS. Oh, oh. When he gets up under the lights to play his thing. Four thirteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Green River for our next guest. He is Dana Loski. He is the chairperson of the Friends of the Big Sioux River. The Big Sioux, of course, one of my favorite topics to discuss because it is such a big deal here. But uh, So I threw in a little Green River for you, Dana. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. 
Uh, Dana, first of all, uh, why don't you explain to people uh, what Friends of the Big Sioux River is? Because I don't think, I mean, you guys are active in social media and all that kind of stuff. But tell us about the group, where you came from, and, and kind of what you do. Well, Patrick, we're an all-volunteer advocacy group based here in South Dakota. Uh, we came together, uh, we actually incorporated about two years ago as a nonprofit in South Dakota. Uh, prior to that, we were a group of friends that got together and started talking about the problems in the river, what advantages uh, uh, and disadvantages we had with the river flowing through Sioux Falls, and how we could make it a, a more of an attractive river that the city could be proud of. And so uh, we're working together with all the stakeholders in the watershed so that we can attack this on a community-wide approach. It just, you know, if you go back in history, Patrick, and you look at the Clean Water Act, when it was passed, it, it basically addressed point source pollution. And our problem in the Big Sioux is non-point source Right, pollution. and point source being factories or right. things that you can identify. Right, you know where it's coming from. Right. Non-point source can come from your parking lot, can come from my lawn, can come from a feedlot, can come from fields that are cropped too close to, to a waterway, streets, uh, etc. And so it's very hard to identify it and pinpoint it. So that's why it's got to be a community-wide approach. It's got to be people that are both uh, living in the cities, people that are living in the country, whether you're a... a real estate developer in Sioux Falls or, or whether you're an a ag producer or with a livestock and crops upstream, uh, we've all got to recognize that clean water is something that's not divisive that we all can come together on and that's something we all need. We wouldn't be here talking today if it wasn't for clean water. And the Clean Water Act uh, was a monumental piece of, of legislation in the 60s or early 70s? 1972 is one 1972. And... In 1972, if you think back on it, you know, we had just horrible water quality across a lot of the um, former industrial areas of the Midwest, or not former, the industrial areas of the Midwest and all different kinds of places because people just use the rivers as their dumping ground. Um, and everybody's thought that that has been a huge success in terms of cleaning up polluted rivers. But it it is, as you say, uh, hasn't done much really for non-point source pollution because it's so difficult to figure out where it's coming from and how to deal with it. Right, right. Um, what do you, um, in in terms of, of your group, um, you focus on, on urban and rural issues. That's, there's no way around that. How do you, but how do you uh, characterize the state of the Big Sioux River right now when you think about it and you tell people about it? Well, I would say for all the work we've done, and, and there are agencies that are working on it, uh, um, such as the Big Sioux River Watershed Project, uh, which is headed up by um, uh, Barry Berg and, and Jack Majors, uh, and they've done some great work up on Skunk Creek. They've actually ta targeted an area that we know that there was a lot of pollution coming from that area. And didn't we get, uh, didn't they get a, a rather substantial grant to work on this? Yeah, on the on the Skunk Creek, it's one of the better examples of governments working together. I mean, it was a number of agencies working with limited funds that pulled all the resources to come up with some innovative ideas, and so they came up with this program called Seasonal Riparian Area Management. And so, uh, it's funded by the City of Sioux Falls. It's funded by the East Dakota Water Development, funded by the DNR, funded by the EPA, uh, by the um, uh, NRCS. They're all working together uh, to try and clean up. Uh, portions of the Skunk Creek and target that area because they, they knew that there was a lot of non-point uh, runoff coming from that area. So the Skunk Creek is a major tributary to the Big Sioux. It comes in, it basically starts up in the lakes area in Lake County, Lake Madison, Brant up there, right? Correct, correct. 
and then flows basically southeast down to Sioux Falls. Right. It joins just right outside of uh, kind of where the uh, country club of Sioux Falls, Mihaha, yep. you know, right over by the Old Meadows area. And so about, if you look at the map of Sioux Falls, about 70% of Sioux Falls has, has mostly Skunk Creek water flowing through it. Now, the city's added, uh, has increased the amount of water coming from the actual Big Sioux, uh, and there's less going down the diversion that there used to be so that the falls uh, flows more continuously throughout the summer. And, uh, but primarily, uh, uh, prior to us really starting, most of that water was coming from Skunk Creek, so that's the reason they targeted that area. And the, between the lakes area and Sioux Falls are farms, a lot of livestock operation. Well, not a lot of livestock, but they're farms. It's farm country. Right. And it's also very wet. Um, it's not just the Skunk Creek, but there's lots of little pothole lakes and all kinds of... Little streams that are tributaries that add to yep, it. And, yep. and there is a lot of agriculture on it. And uh, so it is, if you really looked at the source of the non-point uh, on the Big Sioux, it was animal feeding operations and crops that were drawn, uh, grown right up next to the stream bank. And uh, a lot of that has stopped. When we went up in an airplane uh, last um, uh, summer... And uh, we're just one of our projects. We we're charting the land use along the Big Sioux River and its tributaries. And when you, we flew up along Skunk Creek, it was amazing to see the results of some of those projects and how clean uh, the water was. And as you got out of that area and you got further north, it was just, it was almost tragic seeing the change and the amount of runoff there coming from the old type of animal feeding operations running right off into the stream, degraded stream banks, cattle all over. Thousands of head of cattle we saw in the stream, and, and that all flows south right through uh, uh, some of our largest cities, you know, uh, uh, Brookings, uh, uh, Sioux Falls, uh, Brandon, and so on, and, and all the way down into the Missouri River. And you know where that ends in the Gulf. And and uh, so it, it's we're contributing uh, to a lot of pollution, and, and hopefully that uh, some of the things that we're doing on that uh, with that uh, SRAM program are stopping some of that. So that, that program on the Skunk Creek. Um, you say it was funded. But, uh, the city of Sioux Falls contributed a lot of money to that. Yes, they did. They're a major funder. Um, how far up did that, did it do the entire, uh, I don't want to say the whole watershed, but it, did it go all the way up to the lakes or how far up did it go? Just Minnehaha County? It went County? up about to the Minnehaha County, okay. County line, I believe is where it, it basically was. So it, it had to be the closer to Sioux Falls, the more of the money that could be spent in, in the because of the public health issue, that's the way the EPA looked at it, is mm-hmm. that they wanted their funding spent in areas that was closer to where there was a health issue with the public. And that's, uh, uh, since we're the largest city along the Big Sioux, that's why the money was spent there. So the uh, they were, as I recall, able to significantly reduce the amount of, uh, I can't remember if it was particulate matter or was it E. coli? E. coli. Is e. coli. The it's come down. Yeah. So they've dropped the level of E. coli in the Skunk Creek as it flows through the city. As it flows through those areas where we've had, as you get closer, there are still areas that you have other uh, contaminant sources that will raise that again. But if you continue to continue to go after those sources and get more of the buffer strips there and the cattle off the streams, giving them alternative water sources, so on, the E. coli will continue to come down and the water that flows into Sioux Falls and south will be cleaner. And it's not just the Skunk Creek. There is some c- contamination coming from the Big Sioux and from other tributaries. If you get south of here, you've got Split Rock Creek mm-hmm. and Beaver Creek and all of those that that uh, really contribute. And there's another source that we have to be aware of, Patrick, that's com- that's getting uh, uh, that's rising, uh, and that's the nitrates. Uh, as of right now, we don't really have a nitrate, a serious nitrate issue in the, in the Big Sioux River. But any place that where there is tile drains installed, it which allows, are fields, which yep. are, yeah, from fields, allows the nitrates to run off from the field faster. And when you test those those uh, 
outputs from those tile drains that go into the streams, the nitrate levels are as high as you see in the state of Iowa, which is heavily drained. And we know Iowa has got tremendous problems with nitrates in their waters, and hopefully we, we'll react soon enough here to prevent that from happening and not have that as an issue here. We're talking with Dana Lowski. He is the chairperson of the Friends of the Big Sioux River, a nonprofit organization that works on water quality in the Big Sioux. Um, let, now let's just back up for a second. Nitrates are generally the product of, of field application, right? Like uh, crops. The, the, it comes from fertilizers. Right? Yes. And whereas uh, E. coli tends to be a, a animal waste issue. Right. right? Animal waste, it's bacteria. And phosphorus. I mean, there's lots of different things that end up in the water, right? Right. right. That come from agricultural runoff. Yeah. Um, and before we talk too much about ag, I want to just discuss the role of the urban runoff. Um, nobody has like hard numbers on what the percentages might be, but what do you feel? What's your sense of how the city is doing to limit parking lot runoff, yard waste runoff, uh, any of the, you know, and even morels, which is a point source issue, but has had issues in the past. How, how well is the city doing to limit what our contribution is? The city government is really working hard uh, at trying to uh, get citizens involved in activities that would help reduce uh, the non-point source pollution coming from, let's say, from pet waste and, and lawns and, and so on. The, uh, again, it's all voluntary, uh, and everybody tends to think the pollution is someone else's fault, not their fault, and so they don't like to stop what they're doing. But if you live in the city of Sioux Falls and you have a lawn, you're contributing quite a bit to non-point source pollution. So let's say, let's just start this, let's say you move into Sioux Falls and you're going to buy a home. So you buy a new home, and that builder is basically, when they buy a, a tract of land, the first thing they do is strip off all the topsoil, mm-hmm. and then they bring in heavy equipment while they build a home, they compact that soil even further, at the end of it, they may bring you back two to three inches of topsoil spread they sell, around the They site. sell it back to you, but that's, you know, that's business, right? <laughs> uh, then you move in, and you decide to sod the lawn on that little bit of topsoil you have and that compacted uh, clay. And so you pour oceans of water on it to get it to green, to get it to roots to take. Then a lawn care company comes around and sells you four to five applications of fertilizer and pesticides and herbicides per year. You pay four or $500 per that. And as soon as you stop watering that lawn, uh, that that lawn turns orange again because you don't have good soil penetration of the roots and so forth. So the real solution, if you really want to have a major impact in the city of Sioux Falls, developers should start embracing something called low-impact development, which basically uses the site's natural hydrology to control runoff. It basically says there's less hard surfaces, there's more permeable surfaces, you have deeper topsoil, and you have more green space. It, it gives a, a higher quality of life to the areas. Other cities that are you know, investing in this thing in Sioux Falls is, is the, the city government, the environmental department is encouraging this, but until the developers really get involved and, and embrace it and try and start building that, uh, we won't really make a major impact on our runoff. What kind of cities are doing it? It's not just some knee-jerk, crazy liberals in Portland, is it? No, no. It's, it's across the country. I mean, you can go from Des Moines, Iowa, to Minneapolis, to Cleveland, to Seattle. I mean, all over the country, cities are beginning to realize that, you know, water is a limited source. And when you look at Sioux Falls, we're one city that should probably embrace cleaning up our river more than anything else. There's not too many cities I've ever lived in, I've ever visited, that for 360 degrees mm-hmm. around the city, the river flows, and you anybody at any time of the day or night can almost go down to any part of the river. 
and have fun. You can bike, you can you can fish, you can you know a bird, whatever. And and no other cities have that. We we really should give it a thanks to the the former leaders of the city that established this greenway, and 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 gave us this great recreation area. Now we just got to clean up the water uh, that that is in that greenway. We're going to come right back right after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and talk more with Dana Loski from the Friends of the Big Sioux River about why this is so important. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I moved into this room, if you could call it that a week. Alabama Pines by Jason Isbell. Always good to have a, a you know, it's kind of thought of outdoors. We're talking about the outdoors of specifically the Big Sioux River and how to clean it up with Dana Loski. He is the chairperson of the Big Sioux, Friends of the Big Sioux River, and which is a local nonprofit that is involved in a lot of different stuff involved trying to improve our water quality in the Big Sioux. Dana, um, tell me, how did you end up so deeply involved in issues of water quality and, and the Big Sioux River? Well, Patrick, prior to moving to Sioux Falls in 91, I was um, I lived in uh, part of that in Wisconsin and Minnesota. And so you realize what clean water really looks like and the potential of, of uh, uh, what you people could have to recreate in. And uh, uh, when I was here, one of the problems we had is recruiting uh, levels. I was the general manager for Dean Foods and recruiting talent to come to uh, fill management positions at our company. And uh, uh, we ran into one situation where we finally were able to convince a, a very probably uh, almost too young a person to move to Sioux Falls and, and uh, take one of those positions. And uh, on Friday, uh, after moving in, he came to me and asked, uh, Dana, what do you do on weekends here? What, you know, where can I take my son, who was four years old at the time, to have fun and, and uh, kind of get it in the outdoors and all that? You know, because, you know, all I see is bean fields and cornfields and so on. And, and I said, well... I said, you know, a good place to go would be down to, to Falls Park because uh, they really, uh, at that point, they had just totally redone Falls Park and, and had cleaned everything up and, and really made it attractive and safe. And and uh, so on Monday morning, he comes into my office and said, uh, well, uh, did you go down to Falls Park? Did you have a good weekend? He said, yeah, we went down there. He said, it really is a cool place, but, man, he says, it just kind of smells and they kinda, and the foam and the stink. And I said, Andy, you just have to kind of forget that, <laughs> ignore that. <laughs> And so that's the problem when you have a when you when you're based in Sioux Falls, you've got the attitude to outside people that hey, you're in farm country, you're in the tundra, you don't have much to attract people here. And uh, uh, if you look at why this is important for us in Sioux Falls, is that if you looked at a University of Indiana study of graduating seniors a few years ago, top three reasons they find a place to work is uh, the environment, recreation, and the aesthetics. Far and away, not wasn't wages, it wasn't uh, cost of living or anything like that, it was what they could do. So, you know, that's why this is important is that we are in a tough area to recruit to to begin with. So we have to take advantage of every opportunity we have. So if we clean up that Big Sioux River and make it more kayakable, we can have uh, kayak regattas on weekends, we can have whitewater parks or wave parks or whatever, or tubing coming. You could have thousands of people coming here in here on weekends, not only for tourism, but you could also have younger people coming in here with their talents that will uh, uh, make Sioux Falls a permanent place to live and continue the economic growth that the city has enjoyed uh, for the last uh, 20 years. As you got into it, um were you surprised or did you do you meet resistance on these issues and 
And how do you overcome that? To be honest, clean water is not an issue where you meet much resistance. Everybody agrees with you that clean water is important. It's just whether they're part of the solution or part of the problem is really where it comes down to and how far they're willing to go to help out. As you stop, if you can stop and have a good dialogue with people and they realize what needs to be done, uh, they're all willing to do it. And it's just how far are you down a road, let's say, in your home where you can't make some of the big investments that you might have to do to change your yard to really help reduce your runoff. Or if you're a farmer that has so many thousands of acres and so much mortgages uh, uh, or so much of your income tied up in your mortgages, that how willing are you to take certain crop fields out of production? And that's where I think the solutions are come. We have to uh, find another revenue source within the state of South Dakota that helps people do the right things so that uh, if you come to a, uh, let's say the governor's buffer bill that has a small tax reduction uh, per acre, uh, if you combine that with an SRAM program or some other conservation program, uh, then you might have enough of an incentive to allow a farmer to say, you know what, I am going to do that. That is the right thing. I've always been wanting to do that, but, you know, I've got bills to pay, and, and this is going to help me. And that's where I think the, the rural and the urban can come together and uh, solve these things. This isn't going to be solved by one person or one bill or anything like that. This is basically a community-wide effort realizing, hey, what can we all do together to help each other out if we really feel clean water is important? And, and when you look at this, there's two problems that uh, or there's two things that have happened here in Sioux Falls Metro in, in, in probably in the 25 years I've been here. is one, Sioux Falls signed up for the Lewis and Clark. That's been a godsend for Sioux Falls, bringing all that water, and we wouldn't be able to have the growth we have. From the Missouri River. From the Missouri River. Yep. When you really look at that, that's borrowing water from some other watershed to help our growth. Brandon, on the other hand, did not sign up for Lewis and Clark, and Brandon has serious you know, water supply issues right now. So if you really think about it, how many more years can we borrow from someplace else? That's why we have to take advantage of every water that we have to, to protect it and restore it. And, and use it to our best advantage. Not just flood your lawn every other day? <laughs> Not just flood your lawn. Um, we're talking with Dana Lowski. He is the chairperson of the Friends of the Big Sioux River, which is a nonprofit here in Sioux Falls that works on water quality issues. And just to review, the Big Sioux River is not... Uh, is not a recreational river. I'm trying to think of the status. It is... You can't... You're not supposed to basically touch it or get in it or you know, recreate in it at all, even though we kayak in it like crazy and canoe in it like crazy here in the city. From uh, Del Rapids on down, uh, it is designated for immersion, which is swimming recreation. So if you get that in your nose, in your eyes, in your ears, swallow it some way or in an open cut, and if your immune system is is compromised in any way, you could get seriously ill from it. It's usually younger children or, or elderly, very elderly, that might have the biggest problems. A, a normal, healthy adult probably would just be have some severe stomach problems. Really sick. Really <laughs> sick and uh, would probably get over it. But that's not the sort of thing any of us enjoy. And uh, so that's why uh, uh, we need to make sure that it's safe for recreation. And that means getting the E. coli levels down, which is manure. That means getting the nitrate levels down, which comes from uh, uh, fertilizer in and out of town. And it, it, it means getting just the particulate matter out of there, right? Right. Um, so how do you, we've been talking about these programs, but essentially uh, you have to pay farmers to fix things. And that means what? Like what? what is it that's, that is 
uh, wrong with the way we are uh, uh, treating that river upstream from Sioux Falls now that needs to change? Well, I think that you don't have to pay all farmers to do it. There are a lot of farmers, a lot of landowners that have always done the right things, realizing that they don't want to see their land erode into, the, into a stream or into a river. Uh, that but have, there's also a lot of cows in the Big Sioux River. And there are a lot of cows in the Big Sioux River. Uh, livestock or farmers have a right to have their livestock in the Big Sioux River. It may look, may, when you see cows in the river, it may like, make a great postcard, but it's absolutely horrible for water quality. Probably the number one thing we can do for water quality within um, South Dakota is to get the cattle off the river here in eastern South Dakota. That means fence them off from the river, give them an alternative water source. When they go to an alternative water source, they are healthier. Uh, they gain weight faster, they get to market quicker, the farmer has less vet bills, which means his input costs are lower, and if you can turn uh, 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 your, your livestock over quicker, uh, that is definitely something that's going to you know, make your banker happy. But farmers, and I don't mean to, you know, I, I hate to make it sound like I'm beating up on farmers because I'm not, but there is an attitude in South Dakota that keeps us from telling, saying to farmers, okay, here's our minimum bar. We talked about developers e earlier and saying, here's our minimum bar. We have to do the same thing with agriculture. But South Dakota doesn't seem to want to do that. What, when you talk to state officials, what do you hear? Everybody wants it to be voluntary. Nobody wants it to be, regulation be mandatory. Of, these are the right things to do. And that's why I said we need to come up with an additional revenue source that helps the farmers do the right thing. When you, when you really think about it, they're the only ones really being asked to lower their income so that we can have cleaner water downstream. And that's tax incentive. When you say other, other revenue sources, you're not asking them to, you know, grow bananas. You're, you're saying there are in financial incentives that we can do using taxes and grants and other programs Yes, other programs. I mean, we just cut, the CRP has been dropping like a rock. How much has that caused a problem? Well, which is Conservation been, Reserve Program, which puts buffers and keeps land out of production. There are more applications for CRP than there are available. I think in South Dakota last year, we added all of maybe 35 or 36 acres to CRP out of all the applications just because there was no more applications available. To That's why I say we have to have a South Dakota-based funding source that helps us uh, fund these incentives that help farmers do the right thing for clean water. You know it's not going to come out of Washington, at least not for another couple of years, <laughs> that no. we need to do something here locally. And I think the, locally there is some attitude to saying, you know, this water or the uh, governor's uh, buffer bill almost passed unanimously through both houses. How many times you can say that about any other bill in Pierre? And that was huge. That was, I was shocked by that. But the, it is a couple, it's not a lot of money. Right? No, it's not a lot of money. It's a, it's a small incentive to help farmers do the right thing. Right. So okay. if you're doing the right thing, basically it takes away the disincentive or the slap in the face yeah. for you know for paying higher taxes than, than what you should be paying for it. We're going to come right back and talk more with Dana Lowski, who is the chairperson of the Friends of the Big Sioux River, after a short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 
And we are continuing our conversation with Dana Lowski. He is the chairperson of the Friends of the Big Sioux River, which is a nonprofit based here in Sioux Falls and uh, works on issues of water quality. Dana, so what are you guys, what are you doing currently? I mean, what projects are you involved with? What, what do you have on your uh, uh, docket for activities? Uh, for 2018, uh, I'll sum it up. There's basically four major thrusts of what we're doing. The, uh, the first one is we're going to expand our water testing. We have relied on outside agencies for water testing results. Unfortunately, uh, it's very hard to get on a timely basis, and when you get it, it's way past the time that it would do any good for the public. So we're at our own expense. We're going to do our own water testing. So what? So who does test the water now? What what level of testing is occurs? Well, the D, <coughs> excuse me, the DENR does some testing uh, in conjunction with the East Dakota Water Development District. The East Dakota primarily does most of the testing up and down the Big Sioux. They send those results into the DNR, who then put it into the EPA database called Store It, and it is very difficult to find any uh, information in that if you're an average citizen. So, uh, and the other people, the City of Sioux Falls also has several testing sites, about five or six testing sites here in the city uh, that they test, and, and they do publish their results on their website. Again, it's it's um, the website uh will be up for a while, then it'll be down. So they've had some difficulty keeping it going. So instead of relying on those sources anymore, we're just going to do our own thing with our own GIS person, creating a software program that people will be able to easily go into our website or onto our Facebook and see the most recent results for water quality. So that's one big example. So how much is that going to cost you? You've got to raise money to do that, right? You've got to pay somebody to do it? Well, it'll cost us several thousand dollars because we want to have the uh, results verified by a laboratory here in Sioux Falls. Uh, American Engineering and Testing did our lab testing for last year. We'll do it again next year. And you have money? We're raising money to do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, the second big thing that we're doing is we'll continue our mapping project to uh, uh, map land use along the Big Sioux River and its tributaries all the way up uh, uh, north of Watertown. Uh, what the intent of that is to see how much of the land is currently in buffer strips along the Big Sioux, how much is in maybe cropland uh, that should have a buffer strip applied to, how much cattle are in the stream and a buffer strip drains, a so buffer on. strip is just a, a, a piece of land that's got some you know prairie grass on it or some sort of vegetation Natural vegetation that yeah. holds the soil like right. how wide are we talking about uh we're looking for uh, the bill is 50 to 120 feet so we're looking for anything that's 50 feet or less we don't consider that a buffer strip it's 50 feet then we consider it a buffer strip but we also take a look at the terrain if it's really steep most of the farmers aren't going to have anything on there anyway. Uh, it's naturally it's going to be left in a buffer strip. But it's very flat, and, and uh, then it would probably be a little bit narrow because there wouldn't be as much, uh, you know, a runoff from a, from a flat field as there would be from a steeper field. Uh, so that will continue to do and put that mapping out. And then we'll have the uh, data as to how much of the actual watershed is in buffer strips and how much is in cropland, how much is in uh, uh, pasture land or degraded pasture and how much is in urban and have a good idea of what really um, can be done and what more should be done. Uh, third thing we're doing is we're partnering with the city of Sioux Falls. Uh, right in downtown Sioux Falls, there's a stretch of the greenway that has uh, been mowed, kind of degraded turf grass that we proposed to the city, uh, and they went along with it. And we also proposed it to Lawrence or to uh, Lutheran Social Services, who uh, property abuts that that we would like to restore that into a educational riparian buffer strip with native grasses and forbs and uh, beautify the area, increase the pollinator habitat, and uh, also reduce the runoff. And the city went and that's along right above the, the falls, right? Right before Sixth you get to, right on the southern edge of the Sioux Falls Park, of uh, Falls yeah. Park. 
And if you go from, let's say, Sharapa Place, which is beautifully landscaped and a lot of natural grasses and, and landscaping there, and you walk under the 6th Avenue Bridge and you get to this and, and you can see how uh, degraded it is. Another benefit from that, it'll probably remove the big goose population that's oh, there and the goose droppings. That, bless that. you. <laughs> bless you, sir. And we'll put up educational signage and we'll also plan on some um, uh, some um, PSA, some uh, awareness videos out there that tell people why we're doing this and why this is a benefit and why the whole idea of why you don't mow lawns and so forth and how it reduces runoff and actually cleans up the water and, and increases uh, uh, the beauty of the city. Leave it shaggy, people. <laughs> it's good for everybody, especially me. Um, so what does that, so that's, uh, when is that going to happen? Along the Sir River there, the, the project with uh, LSS. Well, we'll probably, uh, the city will probably start in March because they'll have to remove the turf that's there and then we'll have to do some soil remediation, put in the sediment barriers so we don't have any pollution or, or any runoff into the river at that point. And it'll probably take a good three to four years for that grass, mm. those native grasses and forbs to really get down into the, in, in the root zone and really uh, grow to, to its attractive. If you go back and look at Pasley Park where they put in the natural or the native grass prairie uh, Several years ago, it took them about five to six years mm-hmm. to get that. And uh, uh, But uh, the city's learned uh, better ways of doing things since then, so I think it'll probably be about three to four years we'll probably see some good uh, results. Speaking of buffer strips in the city, um, I hear this quite often. Why isn't the city mowing the grass in some of these different places? That Some of that, and I, don't, I can't speak for all of it, but a lot of it is purposeful to be filters, to keep runoff out of the river, correct? Correct, and it also reduces uh, uh, erosion. In case you have a good, uh, you know, five or seven inch rain, you're going to have those deep roots of the native grasses down there holding that uh, soil in there, and you won't have that erosion. So it actually keeps the stream banks a little bit more in place as well. So I think it's a very good thing that this current administration uh, has done, and and, uh, hopefully it will continue into the future. And it doesn't need to be right up next to against the river because all the water, say Sherman Park, which is one of the things that people point to, the big hill at Sherman Park has been allowed to grow out. Well, if it rains, it runs down there, goes into the uh, stormwater system, and it goes into the river right over, uh, you know, a quarter mile away. So it all ends up in the river. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's a general awareness? What do you think is the the sort of general state of uh, uh Sioux Falls residents' uh, acceptance of what you're talking about. Like, are people into this? Do they do they understand what you that that the water that the river is important to us? I think more and more of them are understanding. I think initially when we started, it was uh, a lot of um, uh, I wouldn't say ignorance, but just not really knowing uh, the effect. And frankly, when when I was busy with my own career, my own family, I probably didn't pay as much attention to it as I should have uh, as well. And uh, so any group that would have brought it to my attention back then, uh, I would have welcomed, uh, um, signed on, and been a member or whatever. So I hope that more people that uh, listen today will become members and, and uh, agree with what we're trying to do. And if, uh, if they don't agree, I'd still like to have a dialogue with them and, and uh, talk to them about things that uh, they can do and things that we should do to, to help improve uh, uh, the greenway here and the river uh, throughout eastern South Dakota. It's not just Sioux Falls, but it's the entire you know, watershed that needs to benefit. How do I sign up, Dana? Tell me how I get involved. We have uh, a website, uh, Friends of the Big Sioux River dot uh, uh, org, that you can go to, where you can uh, join online. Uh, we also are at events, uh, you know, such as uh, uh, downtown Sioux Falls events, Earth Day events, 
Uh, we have brochures across uh, at different locales throughout town where you can sign up and become a member. We just completed our first ever uh, uh, membership and fundraising drive over, and hopefully uh, people uh, uh, can just call me at uh, my number and uh, or our number, and, and uh, I'd love to have lunch and talk with them and, and, and have them. If they can't join, they could at least have some talents that maybe they can uh, volunteer at certain events and help us out. So. How many members you have? Right now we're over the 500 member uh, uh, rank. That's so. pretty good. And how much does it cost? Like 20 bucks. 25 like bucks for a fa- for an individual membership. 50 dollars for a, a family. And uh, if you want to be a business supporter, 100 dollars. And uh, so we full, welcome everybody. Full disclosure: I have bought a membership once, but I think I need to renew. I think I'm in I'm I'm in arrears on my membership, Dana. You're probably coming up pretty quick. Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, well, Dana, thank you very much for coming in, and we'll. Uh, you have to come back and update us on the progress on some of these things, okay? I will. Uh, we're going to be right back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, don't forget, I talked about it earlier. Fun ski. January 19th and 20th out of Great Bear. It is a fundraiser for the Children's Inn in Sioux Falls. Media One puts that on every year. It's a great event, and it's coming up here in just a couple of weeks. There's snow sculpture, snow sculpture contests, snow tube races, rain jam, fat bike race, cross-country ski race, frozen leg kickball, border cross-tier races, downhill corporate cups, snowboard. It's all kinds of stuff. It's too much for me to read. Coming up tomorrow, Tuesday, Frank is from Spoken Sport will be here to talk about the New Year's Day ride and how gold it's going to be. Buffalo Maiden in for Weird Friends. And uh, Tia Miller-Ryan will be in for the outdoor campus for her weekly visit. Whew. You're going to want to join us. That's tomorrow to end the long underwear week on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.